Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. we got a great show planned for you. As always, no surprise, we always bring it, right? Got the DMs open. DMs where you put your questions, topics you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. Um, going to talk about <laughs> – I, I laugh because there's something funny about the simplicity of this, but – it ruins many lives, uh, really takes a toll on many people's mental health, signs that someone's maybe unavailable. Uh, it's love line. We got to talk about sex, dating, and relationships. And as always, um, even if you don't relate directly to the topic, there's takeaways for everyone. So I'll try to kind of round it out. We always use topics as an entry point. Uh, I was laughing because... <laughs> One of the things I said to a friend who I'm um, helping process, you know, a relationship they're in because the blessing and the curse of me doing the work I do as a certified sex and relationship therapist is that everyone wants, you know, to steal a few minutes of my time complimented um, has also helped me. And here's something else for everyone listening to kind of internalize as well. Uh, helped me learn boundaries and really letting people know what I'm available for, what I have the time and energy for, and often having to say to people, hey, unfortunately, I don't have the energy or the space for that tonight, but maybe tomorrow or this weekend, we can sit down and process it. Uh, I've had a very long day. Because I think sometimes people forget that I've done that for probably eight hours that day and then a few hours of radio and my, you know, 10, 11, or 12 hour day, there just isn't that much more space. You know, I got to eat. I might need to actually even take a shower at some point, you know? Um, so it's about a lot of boundary setting. But my point is that uh, I was talking to a friend about a relationship that they're slowly kind of starting with someone. And they said outright, how do I know if someone's emotionally unavailable? And I was laughing saying, yeah, because they avoid intimacy. And it's such a funny, easy thing to say, but it's, it's a truism. And we really want to look at that. Um, you can assess very quickly, very easily, how much intimacy someone wants or can even tolerate. And that's an important thing for us to ask ourselves because remember, we date to decide if this is someone we should or could be in a relationship with. Dating is an explorative process to see what happens when you and this, under, you and this other person or other persons come together. What happens? What do we create? And you can tell once you're starting to get into it it's kind of like that lazy, you know, side chair analysis when someone says, God, I'm really not sure what this person's looking for. I'm like this, they're looking for this. How often are they seeing you? How responsive are they? How available are they? Cause that's what they want. They're, they're, they're showing you right now. This is what it's like. Everything counts. We can't play the game. Oh, well, once I'm their boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe then they'll maybe, but what matters is this right now <laughs> until then matters. That's also part of your quality of life and your mental health. And they're showing you in a lot of ways. Um, how's this feeling? 
everything. And if you're constantly unhappy, you're constantly having to analyze, you're constantly frustrated, then it's not going well. And it's very likely that you both are not compatible. That's a really big early warning sign is that in the beginning, you're not necessarily feeling good. I give people the qualities all the time on the show. So let's repeat it again. We're looking for consistent, available, reliable, responsive. That's what we're wanting to provide. And that's what we're seeking. Consistent, available, reliable, and responsive. If you are interested in a primary secure attached relationship, which is what the bulk of the people I work with in my practice, that's what they're seeking. And so I say, are you being consistent, available, reliable, and responsive? And are they? And if you're not, start doing that if, in fact, you do want to build a primary relationship with this person and see if that's what they're also doing. And if not, that's not what they're wanting, either out of lack of interest or lack of capacity and ability. Either way, we want to check in on that level of compatibility. It's not enough mental health-wise or relational health-wise to just say they're hot or sex is good or we have some things in common. It has to be deeper than that. How, how safe do you feel? How much trust do you have? How accessible and available and reliable are they? Because those are the deeper pieces that really determine how it feels to be in a relationship with someone. If you don't feel like they're accessible, available, consistent, or reliable, it won't matter how hot they are, how good the sex is, or you know what kind of gifts they give you. You will never, you will never feel safe because that's really the word that a lot of people are trying to get to. Can I trust this person? Can I feel safe with them? Are they someone I can go to in tough times? Are they someone who can supportively send me back and off into the world? So again, that's, that's one of the things we're using to assess, but intimacy specifically is a really important thing. Um, intimacy hits many levels. Uh, there's the psychological and emotional, and then there's the physical and the physical kind of is an umbrella term that covers the affection, sensual and sexual. And you want to weigh in on both of those. How vulnerable is the person willing to get psychologically and emotionally? Do they tell you about themselves? Are they willing to share thoughts and feelings? Um, and then physically, you know, and this is where we also talk about sexual compatibility. Are they open? Um, how accessible and available are they when you're stepping into eroticism? Eye contact, lights on, um, aftercare, all these different pieces really matter and we want to track all of it. But that's the first piece. If this person's constantly avoiding intimacy, again, out of lack of interest or they just don't have that ability, that's a sign that maybe they're just unfortunately not emotionally available in the ways you're wanting or needing. And that's a really hard thing to bump up against because there's nothing we can do about that. We can't, we can, we can make requests. Hey, I would love it if we, you know, slowed down during sexuality. I would love it if we spent more time together. I would love it if we could text more often. Um, you can make those requests, but at some point you bump up against the reality of who they are and what they want. We'll talk more about this. Stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we're back having a really hard conversation about emotional unavailability or availability it's a hard one because sometimes we don't like the answer we so badly want to be able to be with this person, but uh, for whatever reason, and there's a lot of reasons as to why it comes to be that someone might not be as emotionally available as you want. Could be relational trauma. It could be family of origin trauma. Could be mental health issues. It could be problematic relationship to drugs and alcohol. It could be just that they're happily wanting singledom or something casual. There's nothing wrong with that. You're allowed to want something casual. Uh, side note, I wish people would communicate that. I would love for people to be more honest and transparent. It is okay to tell someone, Hey, I'm not looking for anything serious. I just want to hang out in a casual way. Give people the opportunity to understand that. But a lot of people don't feel like they can say that it's a real bummer. And then people are thinking or assuming that if you're hanging out or you matched on an app or whatnot, that you're wanting something more serious, which we shouldn't assume because people enter the relational space for a multitude of reasons. Some people move fast. Some people move slow. Some people want something casual. Some people want something more serious. And um, we're just not always willing to be honest and forthcoming about what it is or our needs as they change. So feel free to ask. Feel free to make requests to someone to see them more, to hear from them more. But what they do in response to that tells you about how emotionally available they are. Uh, not not just in behavior change, but also how they make you feel about the fact that you had a need. And that, I think, is actually more important. Most people anxiously just want the goal achieved. I want to hear from them more. I want to see them more. Bam. And that's all they care about. And it's like, well, hold on. That's the um, content but the process matters too. What is this person like when you go to them expressing a need of any kind? Do they shame you for it? Do they ignore you? Do they shut you down? Or do they make space to listen? Do they try to accommodate? Do they even maybe say, I can't do that, which is still a positive thing. It's a good thing when you make a request and someone says, I'm, I'm sorry, that's something that's not right for me or not what I'm looking for. You might not have achieved your goal of getting it, 
the content, but that process showed that this is a healthy person. They are forthcoming. They are honest. They are transparent. They define themselves. They let you know what they want and who they are. That's actually a green flag. Maybe that's a sign that you should see where this can go and hang in there. That matters as much as whether or not they give you that behavior. So I want to just really point that out. Some people get too focused on the content and ignore the process. And like I try to always remind people on the show, um, it's like conflict in general. It's not just the, the, the goal within a conflict with a person you care about. It is not just about being right, making your point, and all of that. What's more important is not that content, the content of the conflict, it's the process. Do we as a couple, do we as friends, do we as family members, are we able to hold on to ourselves and to be relational and to be kind while discussing the conflict? That matters more than what actually happens or comes from the discussion. How you have those discussions is more vital to the relational health and your mental health than where that discussion goes. It might be something you have to keep circling back to because it's something that's not resolved in an hour, that night, that week, that month, or that year, or maybe it is, but either way, how that conversation goes during and after will determine how safe we feel with that person and how safe we feel bringing up other issues or conflict, which will always be there. Again, healthy relationships aren't ones that have no conflict. It's ones where they manage and deal with conflict well during and after. That's the green light that we're looking for. Not the So again, if there's conflict, it's not like deal breaker, red flag. It's how we go about it that determines that. So when you bring a need to someone who seems un, unavailable emotionally, how they deal with you coming to them matters more to me than what they actually say or do in response to what you requested. Both matter, but the first matters more. And that's how we assess emotional availability. Hey, something's wrong. Something's off. I have a question. Okay. So really pay attention to that. That's the intimacy piece. Um, another sign of emotional unavailability is that maybe they avoid commitment. Now, we want to make sure that commitment isn't always the right thing. And if they're not willing to do it, something's bad or wrong or they're, or they're phobic somehow. Not everyone wants commitment. Not everyone maybe thinks they know you well enough to know whether or not you should make commitment. We have to hold space for that. It can't be as easy as I want them to be my boyfriend. I want to be monogamous. I want to get married. They don't. So they're you know emotionally unavailable. That's not fair and that's not true. Sometimes they're saying, I don't know you yet. It's been three months. Or we haven't been doing that well. I'm not sure we're compatible enough to make a commitment like signing a legally binding document that merges our finances, et cetera, et cetera, and get married. That is actually a sign of health and maturity. So it can't just be as black and white as I want this, they don't. So there's something wrong that they're all, all of a sudden a narcissist, emotionally unavailable, fearful of you know intimacy. No, it doesn't work like that. Um, so just remember that because I, I've seen that misapplied many times. This person won't marry me or they won't be my boyfriend and so something's wrong with them. Well, wait a minute. First assess what's going on in the relationship. Is this the kind of relationship that someone should want to commit to? Like ask yourself that first, are you the kind of person that someone should want to commit to? Because if you are completely dysregulated, always jealous, name calling and all sorts of things, well then no, you haven't demonstrated enough health that they should commit to you. And if they were willing to commit to you like that, then that's a red flag actually. And if the relationship just tends to not be going well, it's also a good sign that they're like, yeah, we got work to do first. 
And I also see a lot of people wanting too much commitment too soon. They've hung out for a few weeks or a few months and they want you to stop seeing other people. And it's like, maybe, but also maybe not. You, they might not be comfortable enough with who they know you to be or what they've done with you relationally to be able to commit to something like that. So you have to hold space for all that. I want to make sure we're, we're adding nuance and critical thought to this. It's not as black and white. Because I see people do that also with narcissism. Anytime someone does something bad or that's upsetting, they're a narcissist. It's like, mm, we're all narcissists. It's just how much, where on the continuum do you exist? And how do we work on getting better? Which the opposite of narcissism is really truly collectivity-based thinking, relational thinking, empathy, <clears throat> considering how we impact others. That's the opposite. So, um, all right, we're going to come back and we're going to keep talking about signs of emotional unavailability and importantly so, what isn't because <laughs> it's very confusing of a term. Stick around though. More to come, y'all. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back talking about emotional unavailability, what it is, what it isn't, how to work through it, because this term, just like narcissism, gets slung around, assuming that if someone doesn't want to be your partner or get married, that they're phobic of intimacy, they're commitment phobic. Well, hold on a second. Most important questions you should ask yourself first are, am I showing up as a desirable partner? Or am I kind of showing up like a jerk, very dysregulated, mean, name-calling, abusive? Well, then it's probably a healthy sign they don't want to commit to me. Really assess your behavior. Have you made someone's life better because you're in it? Have you brought more joy and care and support? Or have you made their life harder because you're always upset about something? You're always dysregulated. You're always jealous. You're always shaming them. Well, no, they don't want to commit to that, and that's a good sign. How, what's, what's the quality of the relationship that you want them to be committed to? Is that worth committing to? It's kind of like we talk about sex. Some people don't want sex because the sex isn't worth wanting. And you have to really talk about, is this something that there should be high desire for? And if not, how can we change that? That's the best part of all this. There's a solution. We can always work on ourselves, how we're showing up as a partner, what kind of relationship we're helping co-create. It's not just as simple as, you know, they're phobic or they're, you know, unavailable. So we were talking about avoiding intimacy and, um, you know, again, how, how physically available are they and emotionally available, but that's only, that can only be assessed with people that you are, are really confident want to be with you because if they don't really want to be with you, well, then they're really just demonstrating honesty that they're wanting something kind of casual and loose and that you're demanding something that isn't honest for what they're seeking with you. So that's the first caveat. If this is someone who does want to actually be with you and they're always leaning out of emotional moments, psychological moments, sexual, physical moments, great. Maybe a little unavailable, maybe some work to be done. But if they're just wanting something cooler, casual, or they're not that interested, well, then this is appropriate to what they're, you know, that's appropriate. There's nothing disordered in that. Um, if they avoid commitment, again, is this relationship and you as a partner worthy of them wanting that with you? Assess that. Getting defensive, I think that's a big one too. A lot of people stonewall, which is they're just never available to talk about anything. Not now. You always want to talk about everything. Ba ba ba. And that time magically never comes when they are willing to sit down and talk about things. That's a sign of unavailability or phobia of intimacy. Hey, I want to talk through some of these difficult things. That is a mandate. If you're going to be in a relationship of any kind with someone, you have to be willing to sit down with them and have difficult conversations. It's, it's not about let it go, blah, blah, blah. No, we have to be able to learn and process what's happened because that's how we, number one, build intimacy. But 
the people that are very defensive and often don't want to sit down and talk about things, sometimes that's a trauma response. Sometimes that's a sign that they've been in relationships or were raised in a family where they should be that way because their partners or family members were dysregulated or abusive and it wasn't safe to talk about conflict. And they're not able to update that reality and to see that you are. And maybe you aren't. Again, you have to ask yourself, how are you during those times? Are you crying and screaming and name calling? Well, yeah, then you aren't safe to have those conversations with. And that's why they're avoiding intimacy and they get defensive because of you. You have to ask yourself, how do I show up and present during difficult times? Am I calm and loving and recognizing that we're partners and on the same team? Okay, if I do that and they're not willing to talk about things, well, then I can point the finger. But if, if I'm a hot mess, when those moments come, well, yeah, it makes sense. And if this is your partner, we want to have empathy and try to understand what must have happened that has made them so afraid of sitting in difficult and emotional material. We always have to ask that question. It's called empathy and compassion. And that's the first thing we need to do. But we often jump over that and we just want to be in our feelings. And we're trying to be more mature than just being in our feelings. We're trying to actually apply rationality and logic and to say, hold on a minute, just because I'm feeling something doesn't mean it's true. In fact, often it's my, my feelings aren't correct and they're not rooted in reality or they're very extreme and negatively biased. So the first thing to do is to say, wait a second, what's going on as to why they don't want to have these conversations? Is it something historical because I'm showing up in a very safe way or is it the way that I'm showing up and I need to check myself and my behavior? Or is it that they're just really struggling with emotional availability and I need to help them? Because name calling and blaming them and saying, you're never emotionally available, that doesn't help or heal. That actually reinforces because there you are, again, being dysregulated and abusive. When we're upset with our partners about something, you don't point the finger and name call and diagnose them. That doesn't help or heal. You calmly and lovingly say, can we talk about our difficulty as a relationship or a couple talking about things. Like before you even talk about the topic itself, let's just talk about the fact that we can't talk. What do you need from me so that we can have these hard conversations? Start with yourself. As you hear all the time on Loveline from me, we have to start with ourselves by saying to our partner, how can I help create an environment where you're willing to have these conversations? What can I do so that you are less uh, so that you're not leaning out all the time from intimacy and romance or emotionality and start by saying, what can you do to change that? Because sometimes it is us and sometimes we can be the biggest change agent in that system. And then sometimes it is just them and the work is for them to sit still, to learn to tolerate more, to lean in when they want to lean out. But we have to be safe for them to lean towards. And if we're always dysregulated, then it's appropriate for them to lean out. No one's going to hug a porcupine, you know, and we have to be a soft teddy bear. Yeah, we got to be aware of ourselves. We'll talk more about this. DMs, though, coming up next. Stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Don't go anywhere, y'all. We'll be back. All right, we're back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I've been dating this new girl for about four months. Her sex drive is insane. It's all in caps. It is insane. It's a little bit of an ableist term, but we'll go with it for right now, which I really loved at the beginning. It was fun. It was new. See, <laughs> that, let me just point this out. This, the exact things that we love about a partner, especially in the beginning, will be the exact same things we don't like about them down the road. It'll be the shadow side. You might say in the beginning, oh my God, they're great. 
They're so high energy, so bouncy, so full of joy. Soon it turns into they never shut up. Oh my God. They're always talking. They're always moving. They never sit still, blah, blah. It's the same thing. So it's like when you, when you first meet someone, acknowledge all the things you love about them and you have to hold on to that positive version of it and not be shocked when you see the dark side. And when the dark side shows up, you have to say, but I also love that aspect of them. You know, it's annoying that they're always talking, but I'm also glad that they're so full of joy and energy and you have to hold both. As humans, we struggle to hold both. It's called dialectics. Both are true at the same time. I love that trait and I hate that. They just frustrated me, so I'm mad at them, but I also love them, they're the same person they were before they made me upset. They're both. We have to hold both. But we'd rather make someone all good or all bad. And that's why we love them in the beginning and then we hate them in the end. No, it's both. Um, anyway, back to your question. <laughs> Sex drive is wild. Loved it at the beginning. It was fun and new. But now, look, it's only four months in, y'all. See, four months in, they're already like too much. But now that we've kind of settled down, my work schedule's picked up. It's a little exhausting. Constantly feel like I'm telling her no. And to be fair, she hasn't taken anything the wrong way. But I feel bad that I'm not really giving her what I used to. I know it's early in our relationship, so things aren't that serious, but I'm already feeling sad. Okay, here's the deal. You cannot just say no. If nothing else, I want you all to learn from the show, hopefully more than just this one thing, but you can't just say no. Whenever a partner makes a bid for our attention or attempts to initiate some form of intimacy, affection, sexuality, just wants to talk, whatever it is, you have to offer something. We don't want to outright and fully and completely reject a partner trying to connect with us. So it's okay for you to be like, hey, babe, working on the computer, not interested in having sex right now, but come here and cuddle with me. Hey, babe, not interested in penetration, let's make out. Hey, babe, was gonna cook dinner, don't wanna get down and dirty, but come here and let's, 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 I don't know, hold each other and I'll give you a kiss and then I'll cook. Receive them in some form. You don't have to do exactly what they want, but you have to do something. When a human being tries to get your attention, they come before the phone, the computer, the television, all the time. If you're on your phone, just put it down, connect with them. But the sex piece offers something. Hey, I don't really have the energy to have penetrative sex or get down for a while, but let's just make out. Hey, sex isn't really what I'm down for, let's cuddle. Hey, not really looking for sex, um, let's, let's go for a walk. Hey, not really want a penetrative sex, let's just do oral. Hey, don't really want to do oral. Let's just masturbate together. You have to offer something. We don't want to just reject because then what happens is they resent us. We resent them. They stop coming to us because they feel shamed or ignored. And then the problem's worse. So I appreciate that you don't have the time, the energy work schedule, but you do have the time and energy to provide something, something that's intimate, something that's connective, something that says, I see you and I care about you, but I can't give you exactly what you want. And that's a non-sexual and a sexual skill that we need to have. Bam, we have to promise that, we have to be able to offer that. And every situation allows us to do something. You know, there's a, This word sex is such a wide umbrella. We need to learn how to let it be one of those pieces, affectional, sensual, or erotic. Because if a partner is coming to you to wanna to have sex with you, it's either that A, they wanna connect, and so they should be happy to receive anything. B, they want some pleasure. Again, all those things can provide pleasure. Or C, they wanna get off, and that's still a potentiality as well. But it shouldn't have to always mean intercourse. We have to be better and bigger than that. That cannot be always what's expected. 
you know, because we're not always going to be ready for that, up for that energy, for that, interested in that, but we want to receive them somehow. All right, you got a DM for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. You're helping others as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous, excuse me, always anonymous, always confidential. And past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Check out some of the other shows while you're there. But uh, we got more to come, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around because we will be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and uh, we are talking about emotional unavailability. But we're going further, we're going deeper, and we're just talking about, we're kind of rounding the topic out. We're talking about how we have to first always start analyzing ourselves because we are a factor and part of any system. So whatever our partner, friend, family member is doing, it might be sometimes a result of what we're doing first. And sometimes they're just responding to us or not. But we want to check that first because maybe if you just showed up better, softer, calmer, kinder, bam, they'll feel better coming to us about stuff. And like we were saying, and if not, maybe it's because they raised in a family where it wasn't safe to discuss conflict. So it's understandable that their guard's up. Maybe they've been in prior relationships with very you know, hurtful, harmful, dysregulated people. Again, reinforcing the idea that conversations can't be had in a loving way. I talk about this all the time on the show. I love repetition. It really builds it in. How is it that you're approaching these conversations? I think I was answering this recently on a DM as well, where I was saying you come in at a zero. You digest and process the material a little bit first so you're not coming in hot. You're not coming in at a 10. You're not coming in angry or pissed. And if you are, go take a breather. Go take a walk. Go work through it a little bit with someone. Go journal. Wait a day. Go to bed and talk about it in the morning. But you don't come in hot. You come in at zero. Because who wants to have a, 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 you know, um, a, a semi-truck coming at them at 65 miles an hour? Nobody. So it's healthy that they'd be like, this hot mess coming at me is too intense. Um, so you come in, you come in calm and then you make requests, not criticisms. Hey, it would mean a lot to me if you could, Hey, help me understand why blah, blah, blah. We don't name call. We don't attack. We don't criticize. We make requests. We ask clarifying questions. We stay calm throughout this. We listen. And then afterwards we reconnect. That was hard to ha- That was a hard conversation to have. Let's lay together for a minute. It was a hard conversation to have. Let's go get ice cream. That was a hard conversation to have. Let's go cuddle. Let's go for a walk. Or let's take, uh, let me take some time to myself to process and we'll have dinner at five. But you reconnect somehow. That's, the, that's how you train your, yourselves and your partner to know that like we can get through these things. And that's what will make it safe to come back to them. Because a lot of people that we deem to be emotionally unavailable, emotionally unavailable and phobic of intimacy, it's no, it's that we're just not helping create the right kinds of, conflict moments that reinforce that, that we can do this. Um, cause remember every relationship we've been in has either strengthened or weakened all of the trauma that has come before. And that's the sad thing about every new relationship is it has to deal with all the damage of the prior relationship. And so we're always trying to help heal our own and our partner's relational traumas, but we tend to only think about ourselves. We never assess what role we're playing in strengthening or weakening their trauma. Help heal someone. Make someone's life better because you're in it. Make their trauma go away because you're in it. Don't trigger so much. Now, sometimes it isn't us and we're doing all of this work. Most of us are not, so assess yourself first and most of the listeners have a lot of work to do. But let's say you're one of those magic rare you know, one percenters, and I mean that in the right way, who A plus this stuff because you do the work and you've worked on yourself and you're aware of yourself, well, then maybe it is your partner and you have to really assess what's possible or what's possible. 
Let's use Let's just say it like that. Because some issues are completely resolvable. Other issues, only improvable. And then there's a set of issues. This is what it's always going to be when the two of you come together in a relationship. And you have to kind of figure that out. How much change do I think is possible with this partner? Are they interested in working on it? Do they agree that it's an issue? If they don't think it's an issue and they're not agreeing to working on it, it will not change, period, end of story. And I don't want people being in relationships with people that aren't willing to take any accountability or work on any change. Get out. That's a deal breaker. The most base concept we need to have with a partner is their willingness to self-examine and to work on things. And if they're never willing to do that, it's going to be a toxic, unhealthy relationship forever. Again, unless they're willing to take accountability, acknowledge that there's a problem, and they're willing to step into some solution. If they are willing to do that, you at least know it's going to improve or completely get better. But if they're not willing to do that, they're not able to do that, or you aren't willing to be a better partner to make it safe for them to do that, nothing's going to change. Time to go. And that happens sometimes. We can't be in a relationship with someone just because we want to. I have to tell couples out of my practice all the time. Great. I'm glad you guys want to make this work. Doesn't look like you can. And I am in a position to say that because I do understand the research and I've been doing this for 20 years and I know what it takes and I can assess the readiness, but I can also say to them, go out and struggle for a few more years. See if that makes any change. Maybe it will blow our minds, but, uh, do you really want your relational psyche to be that traumatized for a few more years where you're damaged because it does damage. And then your next partner will have even more work to do to help make you feel like everyone isn't emotionally unavailable and conflict avoidant. We don't want to stay in bad relationships. It harms us. It also harms our physical health. It does damage to our microbiome, causes inflammation, stress hormones are released, high levels of cortisol. It breaks down our system. It is not good mentally or physically. So these are the things we're looking for. And then one of the other pieces is how do we know if they're emotionally unavailable? Because they're literally physically never available. They never have time. They put work before us. They put everything before us. That's not someone seeking a primary securely attached relationship. Again, you can't expect your life to not be disrupted in any way. And this new person to just seamlessly be dropped in. It doesn't work like that. You know that you're really building a relationship with someone when you're disrupted, you have to allow for disruption because there's someone new entering. There's a new variable entering the system. The whole system, to some extent, has to, has to adjust and change. And so some people aren't willing to do that. They're, they're just, they, you know, this night I do this, that night I do that, my weekends are this. It's just not available. We'll talk more about it. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we're back, and we're talking about emotional unavailability. And we're really just driving home the point that we have to first start by looking at ourselves. How are we showing up? Because that's going to really have an impact on how safe they're going to feel coming to us. Everything matters. And that's the thing. We, we log and encode in our brains and in our nervous systems all these experiences. And it pulls us towards or pushes us away. I mean, if you want, see it that basic. Are we doing things that make them want to lean in and come towards? Or are we constantly acting in a way and doing things that should make them lean out and move away? No one wants to hug. What was the thing I said earlier? <laughs> no one wants to hug a porcupine? Yeah, if we're all spiky and hurtful, no one's going to hug us. And you have to use that as a metaphor. Are you showing up in a way that should draw them in or pull them in? What kind of partner are you being? Are you making difficult times harder or easier? Are you making it safe to have hard conversations? Because you don't know what this other person's experience has been with an intimacy. Maybe they've never been with someone who is safe to have difficult, tough conversations with. Um, family and friends and other relationships. So start by looking at that piece. And then we can look at what we can assume or expect from them. Not everything's resolvable. Some things are only improvable and sometimes it won't at all. 
Um, but as I keep saying over and over, what's really, really, really important is that they're at least open to hearing about what you might need and they take your needs seriously and they try to work on that. And that's the best we can hope for. And that's a good sign. What you want to avoid are people that make you feel bad for having a need, never want to talk about anything. There's never a right time. There's never a good time. That's called stonewalling and relationships don't progress from there. And what happens is you start backing away from having any deep conversation because you realize the well's empty and it will never get you, you know, a drink and you're thirsty. So you kind of give up and um, the relationship just kind of stalls and that's no good. And that's when you do want to kind of push on those boundaries saying, listen, we need to get into couples therapy or we need to work on being able to have difficult conversations. Otherwise, this this isn't a relationship. Relationships aren't just in existence because you, because you say they are. They're an action. It's something we're doing or we're not doing. And if you're not able to have these conversations that are intimate or deep or conflictual, then you're not, you're not in a relationship. You just have some some human being that has some label of husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is and their bodies near your body in proximity often that's not a relationship um so really really pay attention to that because that's also how you suss out if they're avoiding attachment if they're a narcissist is again their level of willingness their level of accountability how they show up to these conversations because again we can see this from the door from 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 first meeting them we can see how they manage deep, intimate, transparent moments. And that's why I tell people from the door, start doing this, be your full authentic self from the door so you can assess compatibility. But if you show up as though you have no needs and you focus on just being liked and people pleasing and you never say, well, great if they like me, but do I like them? Great if they're having fun, how do I feel when I'm with this person? Remember my good old before, during and after, what do I think or feel when I see that they're calling or texting? That matters. How do I think and feel when I'm with them? And then after I've just been with them, how do I think and feel? And the answer should always be good, positive, smiles. But if it's anything less than that, there's some work to be done. Um, this person's presence in your life shouldn't feel bad when they're reaching out, feel bad, feel bad when with, and feel worse for having been with. That is not why we enter relationships. So those are really powerful, um, what's the word, like, uh, I can't think of the word, but those are powerful assessment tools. And those are powerful, you know, things that should direct what happens next. Because I think the most powerful definition of emotional unavailability is someone who doesn't respond or show up to you when you express anything emotional, physically, verbally. Um, they just kind of diminish it, ignore it, dismiss it, shame it, put it down. You want someone who accepts the bids. We talk a lot about bids for attention. Anytime you make a bid to connect with your partner, you want to be responsive and you want them to be responsive because that's what creates the feedback loop. Again, we're, we're, we're too smart to keep going to someone who's unavailable. We might stay in the relationship with them, but we'll stop turning to them. And then the relationship is dead. When we stop turning to each other, wow, that's hard to get out of. And that's why, you know, I tell my clients all the time, put your phone down when someone turns to talk to you or connect. Close your laptop when someone turns to you to connect. Um, be off the clock when you get home from work. Those emails can wait. Your boss can wait. Be in your family. Be in your relationship. Nothing should come before relationships. And that's part of the problem is we put our hobbies, we put work, we put um, our gym routine, we put our card game, we put all these things in front of our relationships and then wonder why we're not able to access the mental and physically healthy components of it.
Why do I not feel like I'm part of something? Why do I feel lonely? Why do I feel not safe or secure? Why do I feel, although I'm with someone, that I'm, I'm on my own all the time? It's those pieces. And we have to shift some of that because, you know, I've done whole segments um, or entire shows, I mean, on healthier tech and phone use and social media use because that's one of the most... <laughs> That's one of the saddest ways that we can communicate to another person that they're not meaningful or, or important or a priority to us is to make them wait while we're swiping, to make them wait while we're in the middle of a text or in the middle of a moment with them or a conversation to pick up our phone and respond to a text. Are you kidding me? Nothing coming in on your phone is more important 99.999% of the times than the person sitting in front of you. Um, even customer service understands that. If there's a client there in front of you, you deal with them before you pick up the phone. <laughs> You deal with them before you finish doing whatever else you're doing. There's a human being right there, but we're really getting off course with that. And I see it all the time when I'm out in the world, cause I'm always tracking this stuff. Um, so again, remember what we're trying to do is consistent, available, reliable, responsive. We're offering that we're looking for that. And anything short of that is a sign that they're either not interested in anything serious or they're not capable. And those signs are always there if they're interested. If they're not interested, well then good thing they're not doing those things because they're being honest. They want something casual or something else. And so that's the caveat. We have to just at least know that they are interested. Um, we'll talk more about this when we come back. We're gonna later in the show be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to, drop deeper into, put them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show. It's always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share. It's all about that repetition, y'all. But um, like I said, more to come. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, so we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion of emotional unavailability. Um, yeah, no good, no good. You got to make sure the person's interested, though, before you can even begin to assess this. And I uh, got to rule out some other things. But generally, you know, Sony's not consistent physically, emotionally, red flag. Um, avoiding conversations that drop deeper into some level of depth. Red flag. Remember, red flags aren't deal breakers. Red flags are things we're going to track and, and kind of pay attention to to see if they're consistent and unworkable and then become a deal breaker. Because sometimes we have to be willing to just share with someone, hey, I'm struggling because I feel like there's not a consistency or I'm struggling because I feel as though when I try to come to you in a deeper, transparent, emotional way, that's really hard for you where you shut it down. Can you help me understand what maybe I'm doing that's not making it safe for you to meet me in that space or you know what your interpretation of that is? Can you help me understand why that is? You, non, non-aggressively, we're not attacking, we're not criticizing, but we are being vocal about what our needs are. And someone, how someone deals with and shows up to us expressing needs is the first thing we're always paying attention to. So I wanted to kind of reiterate that again. Um, also, they feel overwhelmed by a lot of it. Again, we can't be mad, we can't be angry. No one makes these choices. It's the way that they're built as a result of a multitude of factors. So we have to have a softness and a kindness to it. Because if we add a harshness or a meanness, not only are we victim blaming, but we're also gonna make it harder for them to feel safe with us. So we have to approach it in a very kind, soft way, uh, especially if it's someone who feels very overwhelmed or smothered by emotions. Um, you know, and again, I wanna be very thoughtful. There's a lot of research that's saying things like, oh, well, people uh, avoid labels that they don't wanna be your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or monogamous. Hold on. 
It's not just as simple as that means they're emotionally unavailable. Like I said, you might not be worthy, acting worthy of those labels. It might not be something that they're looking for. It's okay for someone to say, I want something casual. That doesn't mean that there's a problem. There's something wrong with them. It's okay for someone to say, I'm not interested in marriage. That doesn't mean they're avoidant of commitment and, and intimacy. That just means that that structure isn't right for them. People are allowed to have boundaries and to say no to things that doesn't make them disordered or pathological. We make this assumption that every relationship should progress through these stages. And if not, something's wrong. That isn't true. You don't have to want children. You don't have to want marriage. You don't have to want monogamy. It is okay and healthy to say no kids. Thanks. No marriage. Thanks. No monogamy. Thanks. Just own it though. Let people know that as soon as you know that. And if you know that from the door, tell them, let them make their own decision about whether or not they want to step into that. But to not say that or own that, to act as though you do want intimacy, depth, or commitment is really unfair and kind of emotionally violent. So just acknowledge that. Tell all my patients that want openness, non-monogamy, non-marriage, say that to them. Hey, that's not something I'm interested in. Or I don't know. I don't know you well enough. Because again, a lot of people want some of this stuff way too soon. I think another interesting form of emotional unavailability is people that want perfection. And that actually tends to fall under them having maybe more of an avoidant attachment style where intimacy really scares them. Because again, they've been built and raised in families and relationships where people aren't safe to connect to. And so they want to do that, but it's a little overwhelming and scary for them. And so what happens is they find ways to kind of think that this can't work. And so they'll start focusing on all the things that are missing. And those people need to instead focus on what is there, what is available and have some gratitude, you know, focus on some of the positives of what this person has to offer. Um, a lack of clarity. I think that's another big one. Um, also this one, I thought this was kind of important. If someone sees a relationship as a job, you know, I hear people say, oh, my old ball and chain, or thank God for golf. It saved my marriage. My husband's never around. That's someone who's emotionally unavailable. That's someone who doesn't understand what relationships are about and isn't really either in a healthy relationship or doesn't know how to show up intimately in one. I hear statements like that as jokes all the time and it makes me cringe around like, yikes, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> That's not what this is about. We don't have to be in relationships. We choose to be. And they should be chosen based on the worth and value of what they offer to us. And they should end when that no longer is available or possible, period. Um, yeah, again, withholding personal feelings and thoughts. We want to we wanna share those things. That's kind of the basis. Um, I guess some of these other ones I just don't agree with. There's a lot of stuff out here that just sounds a little too um, toxically monogamous. And a lot of the research just assumes that we should want these next stages that have been scripted for us by culture. And that's just not true. There's nothing wrong with not wanting a label. There's nothing wrong with not wanting commitment. There's nothing wrong with thinking things are moving too fast or too soon. Remember, no one's feelings or needs are more legitimate or more correct than anyone else's. Both people are correct. The person who's like, well, I want monogamy is no more correct than the person who says, I don't. The person who says, I want more commitment and exclusivity is no more right or correct than the person who says, I don't. <laughs> that doesn't mean one person's disordered because we could flip it just as much and say, you're, you're too obsessed with commitment. You're too dependent upon intimacy, like water that down and back off a little bit, right? But you, that wouldn't feel good. So we don't want to apply that to the other person as though something's wrong with them because they don't want what we want at the right time or in the right way. Mental health doesn't work like that. You know, everyone's needs are just as legitimate and valid. If nothing else, maybe that's the um, important takeaway. 
All right, y'all, we're going to come back and do some DMs. So if you got a question for us, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always anonymous, always confidential, helping other people out as you're getting your needs met. Can't go wrong. If there's a topic you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into, also put those in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. Stick around, there's more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, Hey, Dr. Chris, my fiance and I have been together for three years, engaged for six months. He's been the most supportive person in my life and I am so thankful for him. Well, look at you, congratulations. I do my best to show him that I appreciate him every single day. See, that's key. Couples get real good at calling out what's annoying, what's frustrating all the time. Get really good also, more importantly so, at what you value in them, compliment them. If you're in a relationship, compliment your partner as much as possible. And if you're not willing to, you got deeper problems because you're with someone that you do not want intimacy with or you have resentment. But in a healthy relationship, we focus more on complimenting, praising all the time, five to one. For every insult, criticism, or put down, which we shouldn't be doing at all actually, you need five praises or compliments. Oh yeah. Um, I do my best, you said to show him, but we got it, you're awesome. Last week, he came to me practically in tears, saying that he felt unappreciated. Shocker, right? Because you're like, hey, I'm giving it to him all the time in some way. I swear I thought I'd been doing everything to make him happy, but he says it's not enough. I kind of feel like in a weird way, he's getting scared of getting married, so he's coming up with this excuse. But if he really does feel like I don't appreciate him enough, how can I show him that I do? You got to ask him. It's not a secret. Yo, bro. You said I don't appreciate it enough, you enough. You said that I'm not showing you enough that you're a value. What can I do that would communicate that to you? Um, it kind of falls back to that like love language thing. You might be expressing care and appreciation in the ways that you feel appreciated and cared for. If you like hearing compliments, you're probably then complimenting because it feels good when you get them. So you're assuming it feels good to him to give them. 
It feels good for him to get them, I should say. But that's not how it works. We have to understand how our partners best feel loved and cared for, and we have to do that. Yes, we want our partners to learn how we give it and to see it as such, so that's the work. So if you're a human being in a relationship, your job is to both understand how your partner best expresses love to you so you can see it in their language and be like, oh my God, those compliments are them showing me they love me because they express love with compliments. Awesome, I'll start to see that. But you can also say to them, what also I most value is when you do acts of service. So when you are thoughtful and do things for me, that makes me feel cared for. And then you have two vehicles of that love coming at you. So for the writer author of this question, you're not expressing in ways that it's felt. So you have to say to your partner, how do you most feel loved? And their answer can't be, I don't know. You have to say, well then take some time and think about it. Think back to when you've most feel loved by me or someone else you've been with. What did they do or say that did that? Or you say to them, track it for a while. And every time you feel cared for, call out what it is I did or said. It's their job to tell you. It is not your job to just know or to figure it out. Put it, put it back on them lovingly. You let me know, babe, when you figure that out and I'll be happy to do that. But it's not your homework to turn all Inspector Gadget, hire a private detective and read a bunch of books on it. Say, ask them. It's like people that want their partners to know what they like sexually. <laughs> no, you tell me. Put it into words, figure it out and tell me. And if you don't know, how the heck would I know? Give it back to them lovingly. You tell me what you need to feel loved. You tell me what you like sexually and I will do it. But you have to take time to figure it out. This isn't something we're gonna maybe bang out right now in two seconds with answers. But give it back to them. Let him tell you. Problem solved. But I think sometimes we think it's for us to know. We should know. No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't know anything. We don't do mind reading. That misguides us, misleads us. It's patronizing to the other person. We'll make assumptions about our about what we want and place and project it on them. We'll make assumptions about our exes and place it on them. We'll misread. We don't get to build the intimacy that comes with these kind of conversations. We don't do it like that, you know? That's just keeping ourselves safe and comfortable. So um there it is. All right, y'all, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, and past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen, all sorts of good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow night, though, so uh, join us then and uh, spend the rest of the night focusing on leisure, pleasure, <laughs> self-care. <laughs> be done working. Drop the bar for yourself and for others. You know, we're trying... We're life is hard enough y'all we're not trying to amp the intensity up we're actually trying to drop it down you know but um yeah take the rest of the night and focus on some self-care some pleasure and some joy you know or at least or at least plan some for tomorrow um yeah we'll see you though as always thanks for hanging out you enjoy the rest of your night have a good night this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 